0: Hello, it's Malia here again, and we have a brief fundraising announcement. As you may or may not know, EdX Global is a completely nonprofit organization that is run by volunteers. 100% of our donations go to student-led projects around the world, and it would help us tremendously if you donated even as little as $5. Please send us a donation through PayPal or Venmo to edxglobalinc at gmail.com, spelled E-D-A-C-T-S-G-L-O-B-A-L-I-N-C. At gmail.com. You can be provided with a tax exempt ID number after your donation by requesting through the same email address. Thank you for your donation. You are listening to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is David Rhodes. David has been a middle school and high school mathematics teacher in Santa Ana Unified School District for the past 16 years. He earned his credential and master's from Cal State Fullerton School of Secondary Education. He has been an intramural coach, union representative, school site council president, and is currently club advisor for two clubs, Rainbow Jags, GSA, and Gold Ribbon, pediatric cancer. David advocates strongly for equitable education opportunities for all students. Working in a high-need urban Santa Ana Intermediate School, David has been developing strategies that engage students in making sense of mathematics and strengthen their knowledge of foundational topics. He frequently looks for ways to extend both his students' knowledge of mathematics and his own teaching skills. (laughs) Hi, David. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're born and raised?
1: Uh, Let's see. I was born in Ohio, and my dad was in the military. And so we traveled around. And so we went from Ohio to Massachusetts to Alaska to Alabama to Virginia to West Germany. Wow. I didn't back remember. to Mass, yeah. Back to Massachusetts, and then I came out to California to go to college at UC Irvine back in '88, last century.
0: Wow, you get to see a <laughs> lot of the world. Uh,
1: we saw a bit of it. Yeah, it was really cool living um, in Europe, and yeah. because we were studying world history at the time in high school, and we were able to read about something and then go see it. So it was, it was pretty fortunate. I think that's why my dad took us there.
0: Yeah, a much stronger context to connect school and history too and probably a different version of it than what kids in the states are probably getting although you probably Uh, went to the DODIA schools
1: yes we went to the department of yeah we call them dodds Dodds, yeah (laughs) and um yeah we had we had some pretty good resources uh back in the 80s having to do uh some basic on some apple uh no we had what was it a 400, Atari four hundred, Atari hmm. six hundred, keyboard computers and stuff like that. And uh, but in you know we had it was pretty decent facilities. And um, but it was really cool to like to sit and read something about uh, World War Two and D Day, and then go be able to go to Normandy yeah. and check that out. To read about uh, some of the stuff from the Roman Empire, and then uh, go see like uh, the the Black Gate, and mm. um, you know go to whatever it didn't really matter you know you talk about Stonehenge or something you Mm -hmm. take a hop to uh to England or something like that so it was it was neat to go you know Spain and France we flipped a drive to France for dinner
0: yeah yeah it's like two hours away Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. it it was it was it was just it was a nothing trip it was you know yeah that's cool so then David
2: throughout your youth was there was there ever a time when you said hey Maybe I want to be
0: a teacher. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer.
1: <laughs> no. uh, there wasn't a time when I said, hey, I want to be a teacher. Um, what got me into it was um, I had I'd gone into college as a civil engineer because oh. I thought that would be the best opportunity to get an ROTC scholarship. And I was accepted as a civil engineer in the UC Irvine. And then that didn't work out. I joined a fraternity, got into some trouble, um, had to find another major. And basically, uh, civil engineering said, we don't want you here. Hmm. Uh, You have two weeks to find another major or you're going to have to find another college. And so I went and found a school that would take me. It was a school of social sciences. And because I had uh, I had two credits of an A sitting on my transcript that quarter from the barbershop quartet with the fraternity that I was in <laughs> that raised my GPA above a 2.0 <laughs> after being below a 2.0 for like, for like a year. And That got me into social sciences, which then got me into working with kids in shelters and group homes and that sort of thing afterwards, because I had that background with uh, some psychology stuff, which really looking back on it, doesn't equip you to work with kids in group homes and emergency shelters, Mm -hmm. but it qualifies it on paper. Um, And I did that for a while. And then I worked with some nonprofits that dealt with some some community-based organizations that worked with schools and youth organizations that were funded by the county and then after buying a house not wanting to be having a grant-based project i decided it would be smarter to be the ones that are giving the grants out because that's a more stable income and so i was able to do that with the county of orange health care agency for several years and then I was working on a project and someone said, you know, you're really good with the kids. And I was thinking it'd be nice to work with kids again, not on a crisis care, crisis management, 24-hour pager where you get called in only when the kid's thinking about harming themselves and your job is to de-escalate that. That was just stressful. And it was putting a strain in the relationship. So what ended up happening was uh, I went back to school. And to, I said, you know, maybe I could be a teacher because that way I could work with kids again. And then it became a decision of what subject to teach. And I was looking at the breadth requirements and the standards of the profession and stuff and classes I would have to take. And I'm looking going, God, there's a lot of information here for English and for science that I'd have to try to remember. And it was process of elimination. And the only one that really hasn't changed in a long time was mathematics. Um, And I knew I could study for a math test. (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, I studied for it uh, roughly, oh, man, probably about 10 to 12 hours a week wow. at night at Cal State. While well, I was going to, well, I was having to do some background, some Cal State Fullerton says, hey, you got to have a history of California requirement. Mm-hmm. UCI doesn't require that. So I had to go back and take some classes, which helped boost my a, my GPA even more, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, and so um, while I was taking that, I was studying and taking the, uh, the test for it to be a math teacher. There were two of them that I'd take. And so, um, yeah, I studied for, uh, four hours there plus about three hours on a Friday. So two hours at night on Tuesdays and Thursdays had a friend of mine that was a math whiz and they would sit behind me and we had a chalkboard and we just went chalkboard coffee and problems. And, uh, I had to refresh my memory on a lot of stuff. And so after doing that, I passed the first test. And I did the same thing again, studied like heck, like crazy, put everything into it for the second test. And I passed both of those. And so now I was on my way to becoming a teacher. And we had to interview for it. And Dr. Ellis held up my transcript in the interview and said, can you explain this? Because on one side, it was horrible. And you fold it in half. And on the other side, it was amazing. And I said, well, I kind of, stopped drinking and got serious about school and quit partying and that's the difference in what it's about and so I said okay and then I ran and I took classes for him and took classes from Fred and now I'm a teacher
0: <laughs> what a journey it helps you that experience helps you connect with your students though you know like telling uh, them like sometimes you make a mistake and sometimes you have to dig yourself out of that a little bit and it takes a little while but you can do it right
1: it it does the past can become an asset mm-hmm. and i think that going through the stuff that i had to go through um, it makes it a little at least i think it makes it a little more relatable cuz i was talking with a student the other day and this kid goes hey i heard you, i heard you you're a pretty good teacher mm-hmm. and i said yeah but i can also kind of you know i teach from a human perspective and and there is a chance that i could lose it at any any day at all at, a, at any time And, you know, it's just like, we've got this thing to do. You guys need to focus. It's just like, let's go. What are you doing? And the kid that was behind, behind him in line um, said, yeah, but it works. And, and he goes, no, there it it works. It makes it kind of cool that you're not just up there doing, you know, and this is how we do this. And this is how it's like, come on. And so, you know, and that's just kind of how I've been from day one is, is, I can't do anybody else but me. And so you get all of me, all of it. <laughs> uh, okay. Good dad, and you get you know, warts and all. And so it's, I, I hope that the only thing I relate to the kids is I tell them, I go, look, you're going to get all of me. You're going to get everything that I got. And some days my best is not as good as the day before, and it won't be as good as tomorrow. But you're going to get everything that I have. And so that's what I expect out of you. So
2: then thinking back, um, since you're, since you bounced around a lot, probably during your, during your K, K-12 years, were there, were there any K-12 teachers that you model today?
1: <sighs> um, thinking back to last century, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a problem. There's gotta be a couple. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's one he was, the, he was, he was, it's, it's not so much what the teachers did it's it's little tidbits of what they said and it has nothing at all to do with what we were trying to learn in class yeah. um you know i had a, some kids i was kind of goofy in school and uh kid goes you're weird Rhodes."
2: and,
1: <laughs> and that's and a compliment like, though Uh, And, you know, uh, it can be. But at the time, you're like, you don't want to be called weird. You Mm -hmm. know, it it, it was different in the 80s than it is now. I mean, you know, you're a freak, you're a dork, you're this, you're that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're weird. And it's like, all right. And the teacher goes, "Nah, he's just having fun. That stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, There was another teacher. He did did the humanities course, uh, which we were lucky enough in high school when we were studying the Renaissance. They had a senior trip, and we all went to Italy and it was right and you know right out of Massachusetts we fly to Italy you know like the humanities classes and stuff and um yeah there were good there were good times there's spots I don't remember you know but Mm. there are pieces that were that stuck with you and um but he would always go what are you gonna do Buffalo Bob (laughs) and apparently it came from an old tv show or a radio show or something and so what are you going to do, Buffalo Bob? But you know, and the math teacher had chalk on his hands because he was mm-hmm. always on the board, and yeah. he always had a chalk handprint on his head. <laughs> and he had, he, he had one on his butt because he'd always stand there, kind of like this, and you know, he'd oh, look at funny. the board and he'd throw erasures at kids. So kids would leave his class with eraser poofs on their on their shirts and stuff. Um, back when you, yeah.
0: didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, that? right.
1: Back when back when you could actually do that. <laughs> back when but see, I think that's kind of cool, you know? And so, you know, when kids ask for a dry erase marker, you, okay, here it comes. You know, I asked kids one day for a pen and I got like 12 of them thrown at me, <laughs> I go, right, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's, I, I don't think that, I just don't think that a classroom has to be as sterile of an environment as a lot of folks make it. I mean, last year, some kids bet that I couldn't catch a water ball on my head and I did and They record it and they posted it, so it's out there. Cool. And I took it this year and made it part of my syllabus, and I said, this is me. This is what I'll do in class.
0: Yeah, that's
1: awesome. I'll also do a lot of other stuff, but this is me, and this is what you're going to get. And kids seem to respond to it. You know, I'm I'm sure there's some that, you know, don't, and, you know, not everybody responds to everything, but uh, I try to give them the best that I have on a daily basis. So. Every day's is a new day.
0: you witnessed a lot of changes in education and uh, you, you know, just through your teacher education, but what changes would you recommend within teacher education to meet students and communities for today, today's learners?
1: Well, if you're talking about within teacher education, the first thing I did after teaching for a week is I called Fred and Dr. Ellis and I said, you know, not, none of this <laughs> <laughs> what was, was in the class. Right. <laughs> And and that's yeah. the actual. That, and then the reaction, and the laughter, was what I got. But I, I called them up and I said, which is amazing. I still have their numbers and they still answered my call. <laughs> you know. But I, I think that it, it it the hard part is you. It's you can read everything you want about swimming, <laughs> um, but you don't learn how to swim by reading a book. Right. And uh, you know it's, and so. You know, I think that, for me, it comes down to, like I said, you know, I wanted to work with kids again, then it was, it became a choice of, okay, so what subject will I teach? And the kids got to come first. Um, First and foremost, when I've sat in interviews where people go, you know, I want to teach social sciences to kids, I want to teach history to kids, because history is important. And I go, that's not the order it has to be. It. It's got to be the kid first. There's a lot of folks that will sit and say it's kid first. And then you look at grading practices and policies and, and things and you go, that's not kid first. Right. Um, I think that we got to stop separating kids based upon, you know, if, if they're ready for another subject, put them in that other subject and get a bunch of kids around that are also ready for it. Um I don't think we should have honors classes and not honors classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that we should have uh, a zero as a bottom grading point. I don't think that, you know, I don't feel that we should have closed ended due dates. I don't feel we should have final exams. I don't feel like we should. I mean, maybe one final exam, but not one in the middle of the semester, because each class could be in a different spot. And it shouldn't be the same final exam for all the kids, because if you haven't, if the kids haven't received some kind of instruction, good luck with that. I mean, you know, it would be akin to me sitting there going to Germany and taking a test in German and failing it. And all of a sudden you look at me like this kid doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing in German, but I'm pretty good in the other stuff. And so, (laughs) you know, that's just kind of how it is. And I mean, and with this remote business that we've got going on, it's gotten insane. but uh, I let kids, they got a week for a test and they can ask me any question that they want to about it. If they got a question about how they're working it, bring it up in class and we'll all work it together. And people will go, well, that's just giving them the answers. I go, no, it's not. It's the kids solving it. I'm just asking them questions Yeah. because I know we've gone over this and I know they've heard it and I know they've seen it. And if they wrote it down, they can find it. And so... Let's all just get into it and do it and see if we can actually solve this thing without me leading as much. And so some classes take advantage of that and other classes don't. And then you wonder why it's like, a you know, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. All you've got to do is ask the question. Someone's yeah. going to be there. You just got to reach up and there's going to be a hand to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot, but yeah, I don't think we should be separating kids based upon honors and not honors because I think that the kids that are honors, whatever the traditional student learners are that are pretty self-driven, they miss an opportunity to have to somehow digest the information and spit it back out in a way that makes sense for other kids to sit and hear and to actually be able to teach it. That's one other method of learning to deepen the knowledge. And then they have the kids that aren't your traditional learners are missing the opportunity of hearing it from another student and seeing what another student looks like and going, well, there's a kid just like me that's doing it. Um, I mean, I taught a class one time, and we were actually able. We, as a as a grade level, we detract the seventh grade math classes. And kids walked into the classes and saw somebody in there and said, "Is this honors?" <laughs> and you know, you go, "No, this is just seventh grade math." Oh. And you know, the kids that were self driven are, are like, whatever, you know, wherever I am, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And the other kids rose to the level of the expectation. Yeah. And I think that we are selling kids short by not giving them the opportunity to rise.
0: Yeah, there's a TED Talk of a woman who uh, was teaching a group of students who were lower level, and she just told them, you guys are the the honors class or you guys are the high-level math class or whatever it was, and they're like, really, we are? And then they did. They performed that like that well because just by simply telling them and encouraging them and believing in them, they but, felt like they could do that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to that. And the teachers, the, the person that's in the in the front of the class, um, truly has to believe that the kids can do it. Yeah. Because kids kids can smell BS <laughs> <Like> a <mile laughs> so away. True. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, if you go, No, I believe you can do this, and then when they don't measure up, you go, Oh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, no, that's not okay you had an opportunity to succeed it was put in front of you didn't do it now get down and do it and show me you know what you're doing and I've had a couple kids and you know they stick out and I I sit and I look at them and they wouldn't be doing anything and then you know I say I'd light them on fire you know and then all of a sudden they get mad and they crank this thing out and they go here this is what I got and I go that's correct now why do I have to light you up to get you to do stuff they said I don't know (laughs) <laughs> doing you know and, and i go look if i gotta be if i gotta be the guy that gets in your face and gets in your grill it gets you fired up to to basically tell you you know get this thing done then okay and some kids would get that and other kids wouldn't need that and they would need a little kinder hand and so and a little gentler touch and so you do that and it's you know um but it's interesting and every time I still see that kid you know she's grown up and stuff like that and doing well and I, I see her and you know because she's local and I'm still here and so you know she says hi she comes up gives me a big hug it's 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 awesome and I taught her older brother I taught her younger brother and they all went through and they still come up and say hi they don't throw food at me or anything so I'm <laughs> like okay I guess I did all right <clears throat> you know so
2: that's just kind of that's how it goes so, so, Dave, you were, you were talking about this and, um, you teach math, which for, for a lot of people, it's, um, it's, it has the stereotypes that it, that it does, but, but you went from teaching junior highs, junior high students math to now high school, high school students math. So, um, what do you do differently in, in order to. Um, as I would say, you know, you may not see it, but I, 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 I definitely did. Um, how do you inspire both junior high students and, and high school students to do math when it's one of those subjects that, you know, people just don't look too fondly on? I don't
1: know. You light them up. (laughs) Uh, There are some kids that I will, some kids, some, some of them, yeah, I will light them up and, you know, and you know, there's just, there's tidbits and experiences that come to mind. Um, You know, I'm still doing me it's um, but they're older, you know? And so, and they're not, you know, and so let's see, there's a couple experiences. One, one girl, she was, I, I kept questioning her answer as to why, and she started getting upset. Why are you always asking me these questions? And, and making me have to explain, I said, "Look, I'm not asking you these questions for you, because you've already given me the answer. I'm asking you these questions for the rest of the class that doesn't understand how you're getting it." And 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 after having to say that, she she got less frustrated with me. And when I would ask the question, I'd say, "Well, explain how you got that," and she'd give me this look like, "How dare you come back with me with this?" And and I'm like, "How dare I? How dare you?" <clears throat> and so we have those and, but, you know, you can press them so far, but, you know, high school kids, they'll, they'll tell you to F off at a heartbeat and <laughs> I'm okay with that. <clears throat> I, pro- I probably earned it. You know, I probably earned that. And, and there are a couple we've had to, you know, we patched it up and had to hug it out at the end of the day. Um, but the first thing I always tell them is, look, we're like a family, as messed up as we may seem at times, you know, we're all in this thing and we're all in the same room. Um, and so we got to figure out a way to sort it out. Um, but um, as far as doing me differently, I, I there's probably some subtle things that I'm not aware of that are different. Um, but I'm still looking at me, still having some goofy fun in the classroom when, when we can, and we still got stuff to do. Um, they definitely respond a little quicker to, to pressure um, because their environment's different, because they know that if they don't demonstrate and earn those credits, you know, whatever it is that they have to repeat that class. Um, They don't just move on and get promoted up. And so it's, it's a little bit more of a real bottom, I guess, but um, you know, they're still, the ninth graders are still very similar to middle school students coming in because it's their first experience and the sophomores are a little bit wiser, but they're goofy. Um, They still got the same social issues. But, dude, they are heightened yeah. um, in high school um, when it comes down to, like, just relationships amongst each other and pairing up and getting partners and, you know, whatever what have you. Um, and some of the pressures are a little bit more real, so, you, you know, there's that. Um, but uh, doing things differently, I still do me, and the expectations are still the same. Um, but, uh, you know, you can have a little more of a relationship, I guess. Um, but it's still, you know, there's still kids, you know, and they're just bigger, (laughs) you know?
0: So can you tell Um, us, tell us about your, um, your clubs that you, that you're an advisor for the rainbow Jags, the GSA and the gold ribbon, pediatrics cancer.
1: Okay. The, I'll start off with gold ribbon. Um, I picked that club up because they needed an advisor and we go, okay. You know, um, Sure, (laughs) You know, bring it. And they're pretty self-driven. They do uh, some stuff with um, Children's Hospital of Orange County and the pediatric cats are there. Um, They'll do fundraisers for them. Um, They put together a this year they put together kind of a reading sort of thing where they would read stories to the kids. Um, and they work to do fundraisers for them and give them some money, what money they can, mm-hmm. you know, relative to, to what they can raise. I think it's amazing that they'll put together fundraisers and, you know, from chocolate bombs to, which is when I first heard that, I said, what's a chocolate bomb. And yeah. basically it's just it's a cup of hot cocoa. You pour it in and just it melts all over. And it just becomes <laughs> awesome. Cool. Yeah. I go chocolate bombs. What is it? Blow up chocolate. I mean, that's kind of neat, but, uh, so they would do that. Um, and they're always looking for, they have some creative ways to try to raise money. But with COVID, they wanted to do a movie night where people could drive up their cars and watch oh, a movie. that would be cool. But that got shut down mm. because of the COVID spread. Yeah. You know, um, but they just, it's amazing ideas. But it, it's, they're pretty self-driven. Yeah. Um, it, they're led by seniors and, and kids that are really into the philanthropic thing. And so you just try to foster that and give them an opportunity to get into that and have other students see it and say, this is a possibility. Um, to do something nice for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, then there's the rainbow Jags, which is the LGBTQ plus club that I, I, I started doing that in middle school with, um, the school I was at. And it was, it was, it was a good experience. It gave them a place where they could just come and just be them and not have to hold up the mask that they hold up daily with everybody else. And, um, you know, we would talk about ideas, and they would bring their frustrations, and, and and we would sit and talk about it. And eventually, it became kind of empowered, and it stopped. Okay, to be sitting there in a classroom to say, "Ah, oh, you're gay," and you know, and it actually started changing the vernacular that were that you would hear at the school. It changed mm-hmm. the language kids would use to to insult each other. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, and or fortunately, depending yeah. upon how you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> You know, the fact that kids are still using the same stuff to insult, you know, and and that, it's just like, no, you got to knock that off. Mm -hmm. And and they would go, why? And I would, I would straight up parallel it. And then I started having kids. There was a kid who was going around doing a lot of that. So I had some kids from the club explain them why it's not appropriate. And that kid stopped it.
2: Wow. You know,
1: you know, on their own, they just kind of explained it. Look, we're people just like you. This is what this means. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. Now tell us how we're different. And so, And then uh, I got to the high school and it was club rush day. And, you know, I go look and see what's available first year there. And there was no there was a table that had a piece of paper on it reserved for the uh, LGBTQ club, the GSA. And there was no kids at it. And I said, well, this this is not okay with me. And so I found out who was, you know, who did it. And they said, look, I, I got busy this year. And I said, okay, well, if you don't mind, I, would you mind letting me co-chair it with you? And then eventually it's just kind of taking it over. And so, you know, now I have that club and uh, we meet every day at lunch, just as a place where the kids can come hang out and I'll open up an online meet for them. And I'll leave it open for them and go take care of my business. And they'll just sit and talk with each other. That's
2: so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just a spot where they can sit and just be them and just talk with each other about it. And um, we got a couple things that we're working on and getting in the online uh, world to have their affirmed names and pronouns be listed. Mm. Um, Because not everybody asks what your pronoun, what folks pronouns are. Yep. And, Sometimes they're, the name that's more affirming than them is not the one that shows up because, I mean, as you can see mine, mine says Kristen R because this is my wife's computer and I forgot to change it. And, uh, you know, um, but... Um, you know, the names are associated with what's in the school record, and it may not be the name they'd like to be called. Um, Maybe that name caused them anxiety because of identification issues. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, look, let's just see what we can do to lessen the anxiety. So the kids came up with this idea, and they prepared a presentation and brought it forward to the administration at the school and said, we'd like to see if we could do this. And... So it's a work in progress, but they've also got a uh, pronoun campaign and they're working on developing some professional development for the teachers on pronouns and asking for pronouns and why it's important. And also what's the law that's behind that and student rights and that, those aspects. And so they're bringing the issues forward. Um, And my job is pretty much to remove the barriers and the hurdles that might be in the way of them getting their voice out. And so that's kind of what that's about, but it's awesome.
2: That's awesome, David, um, you know, because it's, uh, I've been, I was fortunate enough to, to, to go to one of your, one of your meetings and it was, and it was nice just to see that there was a, that there was just a safe, safe place just for, you know, kids to go. Um, and, and what was nice was that anybody could just go You know, it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't reserved just for one, 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 one group. And, and I think that's what's, um, I think, I think that's what I'm seeing more and more on, on campuses, on K-12 campuses is more, more of this, more of this openness. Um, and, and I, I think, I think what you, I think that goes part, and parcel to what you were talking about, where you were talking about the D tracking system, or trying to trying to do this more more and more. and you were and in your bio you you talked about the conference presentation that you that you had and you kind of talked about it what what type of re, re responses have you received from your from your colleagues about this? Um, but then also parents who Um, oftentimes it's, it's teachers and parents that want these honors courses because then they could separate themselves more. Um, and, and for teachers, it's kind of, for many of them, at at least from my experience, it seems easier just to teach these kids because then I don't have to be bothered with those kids. Um, have you, have you experienced anything like that?
1: Uh, well, we've got a lot of folks. When the kids come to school, they want their kids in honors classes because they feel that an honors class will give them the best opportunity Uh, because there is a grade inflation on the honors classes where if you get a B, it's worth an A in a regular class. And I go, so if I get a C in honors classes, that's worth a B in a standard math class? And I go, I think you folks in the standard math classes aren't asking tough enough questions, uh, you know, and empowering the kids and, and giving them whatever it is that they do. Um, because I hear, you know, this is not honors work, you know? And I go, honors work, man. A, I don't understand all that. I don't understand the the necessity that to give certain groups a richer learning opportunity than others. It, doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, we would go through like, uh, you know, there's several different things that, you know, programs that folks have on campuses that go into deeper methods of questioning and go into models of thinking and reasoning. And, and I go, shouldn't everybody be kind of getting a piece of this? I mean, why are you reserving this for a select few that are just enrolled in this one class? And so, you know, I I, I, what do I, I haven't heard any I mean, I don't have a lot of social capital at this school right now because it's my second year and there's folks that have been teaching there for whatever. And so they're kind of in it. And part of that's on me to push, push the, the envelope a little bit and put, and I'm getting there as, as, comfort comes up. Um, and eventually as, as enough things happen and things seem more intolerant, you almost become compelled to speak and go, that's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll just
0: become that guy <laughs> who speaks which, his mind, and it goes against the grain, which it is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, okay, you know.
1: And, and you got a lot of folks that will sit and say, "Well, that's what we believe," and, uh-huh. and I go, "But your teaching doesn't go into that." Yeah. Um, you know, and which in which can be personally confrontational because it almost it's it's borderline insulting to say someone is not who they perceive themselves to be, and. you know, and some folks will probably call me out and I go, well, that's interesting. I'll have to look at that. Mm -hmm. And that's a different perspective, but there are folks that really want their kids in honors classes because they think it's going to benefit them. And really what my thing is, does it, Right. you know, um, what benefits the kid is just being in a spot where they can excel and, and apply their best, regardless of what that is. And if you're artificially limiting that or selecting a few kids to take up certain spaces in these honor classes, and you know, honors classes, and then it's this, then you get, you know, you get the default class and then you walk in and you go, wow, I'm in a default class. Okay, great. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I, to answer your question, I haven't heard anything from parents, but I do know that a lot of folks want them in there.
0: Yeah.
1: And so you kind of go, okay, but then it comes back, well, these kids aren't ready for the honors class. And I go, <clears throat> a lot of these kids aren't ready for a lot of things. Okay. You know, and so uh, our job is to somehow, you know, put the fire close enough to them that they feel the heat, but they don't get burned by it, you know? And so uh, it's just kind of, it's, it's an interesting paradigm to sit and have to, to self-shuffle and juggle that when. The solution would be, let's just give all kids the best opportunities they have to see the best and experience the best and quite possibly achieve the best. And so if they don't make what the best is, they just did better than their best ever was. So what's the harm in that? You know, I don't. So, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I don't know if there's been a lot of pushback or anything. But I will say that, you know, from parents, I explained what I expected the kids, how I expected to be. And you get a lot of head nods when, when you explain it that way and you say, look, because I set the class up in essence so that mathematically speaking, every kid could earn, could earn a B in a class which seems impossible. And that's through retakes, extended effort, open notes, collaborative uh, design, um, you know, using everybody for everything that they've got, make sure that things run on all cylinders and, and everybody's working together to try to solve whatever problems in front of them. Um, and you know, and if you fail it on the first try, go for it again, you know, don't just quit and take whatever grade you just got or whatever prop answer you just got. See if you can figure out where you went wrong and get it again. And if you don't get it that time, come back at it and get it again, multiple retake options. And so, um, eventually a kid gets that chance that through enough effort, yeah, I can get up this hill. Um, I just got to you know, somehow find a different way to do it. And I'm there to help them get there. You know, that's kind of the way I see it. And so, uh, you know, that is what kind of helps kids achieve. I mean, I've had kids come in and drag their friend in that to, to retake a test, to raise their grade out of failure so that they could pass the test with a C or pass the class with a C rather. And they drug their friend in, and these were kids part of a tagging crew and stuff. And they brought their friend, they drug him in and said, Sit down, you're gonna take this because you can do this. And they helped the kid through that. And the kid goes, Okay, I guess I can do this. I had another kid who had all his older siblings in jail and he refused to do tests on paper. And so I go, Fine, come in after school, you can do it on the whiteboard. And he enjoyed doing that, so he did it on the whiteboard. I said, Now, you just need something to turn in. He said, Okay, so I'll write it down on paper. And what it comes down to is the kids don't like messing up and turning in an ugly piece of paper. Mm. So you just let them either use a smart board, a whiteboard, whatever yeah. it is, and and that's a small shift. Yep. You know, because if a kid doesn't do, you know, and so he was willing to come in, you know, and there's a lot of kids that aren't or can't or won't, and but slowly but surely you you start grabbing them. Now I have had kids that have that have sat there with and they needed to redo one homework assignment. And I said, look, let's sit down and let's do this. So you can actually, you can show me that you know what you're doing because I know you do. And he stared at me for 50 minutes and refused to do it. And I said, okay. You know, and sometimes you people will say, so you just let him fail. And I said, no, I gave him every opportunity to succeed and he chose not to. And you know, I guess he was expecting me to change my mind or something like that. And other kids saw that and they go, why don't you just do it? Here, let me help you. And they were jumping in on it. And the kid's like, I don't want to. And I said, all right.
0: Staring contest. That's what That's what was happening.
1: <clears throat> you know, and so it's a battle of wills. Yeah. And, you know, and granted, you know, his will's power is strong enough. He, you know, mm-hmm. he he went on, he was fine, you know, but it's not. No, I mean, you have this mark to reach. I'm not going to move the bar because you're refusing to do something when it's fully within your ability to do it.
0: Yeah. And and students want that. They want to be challenged. They want to have boundaries, then they certainly will push it. And they might do it, you know, kicking and screaming, but they they do need that. You, you also know, and the sh- impor-
1: Yeah, the important part is those other kids around him started doing their work cuz they realized what an opportunity it was. Yeah. And you know, so uh, you know, mm-hmm.
0: You shared also that you that you always seek to improve yourself in your teaching profession, reaching out to families. How do you do this?
1: Well, I'm for a lot of criticism. Uh, folks have told me that I'm not doing my profession any justice by making myself available at the insane hours that I'm at, hmm. um, because it sets a precedence that you know, teachers should, shouldn't should be, you know, I mean, there is the work day and there are certain boundaries and there are times that I will go to sleep, you know, but <laughs> I've got kids, you know, these days with the way that their schedules are, it's, it's all massively insane uh, because they're all over the map. And so they'll ping me a message somehow, you know, and I make myself, I make myself available to them via the remind app, via the parent square app, via the Inst- Instagram DM and you know, if you, if you need to reach me and you got a question or something, I'm there. And, you know, a lot of times they have, some of them will have questions at some odd hours, uh, you know, um, but most of them are fairly respectable of that and don't expect to reply if you send something at three o'clock in the morning, but you'll get a response the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing that, that does is, is it kind of frees up kids that are in a spot and You know, I got a weird message from a student a couple weeks ago. And uh, it was a bit alarming. So I ended up calling the parents and stuff and tracking them down. And uh, the student ended up doing, um, ended up going into a uh, hospital for a week. Wow. Back out now and and is doing better and stuff. Um, And it's not that we're responsible for it. But if that's the one line that the kid has to reach out, And that's not there, what gets missed, you know? So everybody has their own boundaries and stuff, but um, what was the original question?
0: Uh, How how you seek to improve your teaching and your just self-improvement.
1: Okay, so I'm just super crazy, highly reflective. I'm super crazy, overly critical. And so anything that happens, it's it's always, okay, what can be done better? And that even goes from lesson to lesson during the day. It's not the same thing. And so, you know, God bless the first period of the day because they end up getting the short end <laughs> of the stick sometimes. You got to go back through and, you know, I, I call it teaching like a tank tread. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, what gets corrected during the day ends up, you end up having to bring that back around. And so, um, you know, and... So that's just kind of, I always look at, okay, what got to the kids? What didn't get to the kids? How could I have handled something better? And even having to apologize to kids for, you know, my emotional outbursts in the class, you know? And they end up apologizing for theirs. And we end up having, you know, there's a student one time. It's like, we end up talking after school hours. And I go, look, I was... I was a bit, I was out of line on that. And I apologize. You deserve better. He goes, no, I did my part too. I should have said what I said. I said, you know, it doesn't matter now. So I'll see you tomorrow. He goes right on. And, you know, we ended up hugging it out. And, uh, you know, when you got a big old football player (laughs) that's willing to hug it out, I think you're doing something right.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it doesn't mean it can't be done better. Um, but I think that, you know, we if we teach from where we come from and from where we are and who we are, and it has that legitimacy and integrity, um, it's going to be difficult to fault you for not caring. And passion brings with it everything that it brings with it Mm -hmm. and um, good, bad, ugly. And so, um, you know, and from that there's a place of integrity and honesty and caring and, and, and love. And that's where I like try to come from. And so, I look at that and I go, okay, could I handle this differently? Could I have done this a little bit better? What else could I be doing? And there's some things that I've learned about my teaching practice in doing the remote teaching that has substantially altered the way that I handle different situations. Um, When it would come time to think time, it would be like, okay, let's go. We gotta get this thing done because I'm looking at the clock. I know how long each problem should take. I know how long you guys, you all are gonna take on this problem. And we're running a little bit short. And now, instead of getting the pressure on that, I just play music because it's just me in the classroom because I still go in and the kids are still full remote. So I'll just put music on and I'll go, okay, let me know when you're ready to stop the music. And if it goes too long, I go, let me put on this, you know, a lesson video or something, you know, because. I don't get any feedback from them cause they're tired of it. And so I got to find some way to keep myself motivated, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so the music seems to do it. So I got disco lights and a light show in the background of my classroom and they can see that. And I'll say, when you guys are ready and some classes are, are more, they're more high powered on certain problem types. And so they'll bring up stuff, but, um, it's all about having the kids work on it and solve it. And that's what I believe. Um, you know, my practice has evolved into, I, you know, having students as teachers as often as possible. And because I can always be there to, you know, I have, I know what the answers are um, because I've worked the problems out so I know how long they're going to take to do. And then I try to do them from a middle school perspective, um, which helps with the high school teaching because you've mm-hmm. got all that, you know, that background's there and you can always present it in a, sim- in a simpler way.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I, I use that. And so knowing all of that stuff that's in my background, um, it's like, OK, let's look at it this way. You guys can chime in. I, and my question is always, what comes next? What are we going to do next to, get to, to solve this thing? And that helps facilitate some discussion. And kids will slowly volunteer um, solutions. And it's their pathway. And then I write it down. <clears throat> As they come up and, and as they say it, and so I think that that and that serves value because it gives credence and respect to what they say. But yeah, I'm always looking at better ways to do what it is that I do. That's good, Dave.
2: Um, one of the things that we that we like to end up on, and and hearing everything in which you were you were talking about, there's probably a lot. Um, but we but we always like to ask what what our guests call to action is. And so what is your call to action? As in life, just who you are and for whatever you do, if you were to, if you were to have a group of people around you from all different types of backgrounds, what, what would be your call to action to let them know?
1: You could do this. Uh, it, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I got certain things I always put in his best efforts, stay ready, never quit. Um, you know, I approach everything like, you know, it's, it's like, you see a problem, let's get in and solve it. Let's try yeah. to figure it out. And, you know, the biggest thing that I think is that there's this thing, you know, mathematics is not, I'm not a math person. It's just something that I can do. And, you know, it's, it's akin to, and I think that anything that looks daunting or seems impossible um, can be done pieces at a time. And, you know, if we all get in and work together on something, on any common problem, we could solve this. And so the big thing is, yeah, you can do this. And if you don't believe me, let me show you that you can do this. Um, you know, so I, 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 I truly believe that every person that steps into that classroom has the ability to do whatever it is that needs to get done. Um, sometimes we just need to dig deep, you know, so.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. David, thanks so much for your time today. Super appreciate having you on. And uh, I love your energy, what you bring to your students, your classroom. They must just love learning from you. So thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. On some days, I'm sure it's better than others. But, <laughs> uh, you know, they're, I guess they have to come back. And so that's always another opportunity to do a little bit better the next day than it was the day before.
0: Yeah.